0: Amelia, our um, our now five-year-old, unprompted this week, it was just reflect. She she will just share whatever is on her mind. She just talks. She's a talker, and she was like, "Dad, I think mom works more than you." And I was like, "Oh, how, uh, what do you mean?" And she goes, "Well, she cleans more than you, but you do more laundry than she does." And that was her her grand reflection on. Um, on the, the the work that happens in our household, uh, but Amelia was onto something though, in terms of recognizing the household as kind of this primary place of work. Right, this is the work that she witnesses us doing and us sharing together as we as we lead our household, and um, it, it it reminded me, and it is pertinent to where we're going this morning in Ephesians. You know, we're, we're a Christian Reformed church. We, we trace some of the uniqueness and the unique flavor of our Christian faith to the Reformation. And, and one of the great ideas of the Reformation is that all vocations, all callings, all situations in life have the capacity to be holy unto God. Right? That, they, that God delights and loves and uses and works through all these vocations, not just the priests in the church, which that had been sort of one of the ways that the Catholic Church had erred that Luther and Calvin pushed back against and said, no, no, we think that it's in every vocation that God is able to to be at work. And and so they dignified all these different vocations, whether it's Amazon or cleaning or laundry or whatever it is. Um, And Luther has some wonderful quotes. And one of my favorites is this. You may have heard this, that God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. That This is actually a way in which God helps provide for the needs of the world through the humble, very ordinary work of milking a cow that a milkmaid does. This, it reflected this idea he had of um, the masks of God, that God is at work in the world, as it were, masked behind all of us behind all the different work, the different uh, callings that we have, that this is how God is at work in the world. Now, we still believe that God works in supernatural ways as well. Uh, We pray for miraculous healing, believing that God has all power and authority, that he desires to heal us. And so we pray for miraculous healing, but we also go to the doctor, believing that God is at work, masked behind the doctor. right, Working for our healing. So the Reformation did a wonderful, uh, was a wonderful corrective to uh, elevating the value of everyday work, right? Whatever it is that we spend our days doing, right? We might receive a paycheck for it. We might not. But the stuff that we spend our time contributing to the world uh, is valuable in God's sight. And we see that. Uh, in the passage of Ephesians that we're in right now. Last week we talked about husbands and wives, right? This this particular vocation, this particular calling to marriage, and, and how, for those who are new in Christ, for those who put their trust in Christ, how this newness of life gets worked out practically uh, in, in marriage. And Paul keeps going. We kind of cut him off mid-thought last week. And he talks about parent-child relationships, and then he talks about the marketplace. So we're going to look at that in Ephesians 6 this morning. Um, But it's helpful to remember that this this idea of uh, household, right? Amelia kind of got it when she talked about how Summer and I share these duties. And um, there's this Greek word, oikonomia, which is where we get the word economy from. But it's actually translated household. You may be familiar with this. The household is something that we tend to think of as a pretty narrowly confined reality, right? It's the four walls of the house. It's the stuff that happens there. And then we think about sort of society and the economy over here. Well, in Paul's world, and actually for the vast majority of human history, those two things were not two things. They were all one, right? The economy, the oikonomia, the household, the the way that you made money, the, what you did for work, whether it brought in income to your house or whether it was just caring for the house, all of that was just kind of one thing. And, uh, and so it's not necessarily to say that that's the society that we need to go back to, but it's helpful as we understand Paul's description here of this household, this new household in Christ, what it looks like, that he's not being restrictive. He's not saying, oh, it only, we only work it out in the small area of our homes He's saying, no, it's expansive. The way that we live out the gospel uh, affects every area of life. From the most intimate relationships we have with our spouse and our kids, to the ways that we work, whether that be at Amazon or at home or in a doctor's office or wherever, to the other societal roles that we play. So it's expansive. So with that, let's read the first nine verses here of Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven And there is no favoritism with him. Lord, be our teacher this morning. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Speak to your people. That we would hear your voice calling us into deeper relationship with you. Calling us to trust you more. Fill us with your power to be able to do that. Amen. Laurel, if you want to go to the next one. Uh, nope. It's just that it's going to be a looped slideshow here. There we go. I've been asking for 10 a.m. selfies from some of you. And some of these are from lunch visits where I came and had lunch wherever you worked. So I recognize that this may very well be a distraction this morning, but I'm trusting it's going to be an instructive distraction. <laughs> so these this are just all these different places where all y'all, you're going to recognize yourself, you're going to recognize friends, where you guys spend the majority of your time. You're also going to see a picture that is a pile of laundry. And if you look carefully, you'll see Summer's feet sticking out <laughs> underneath the pile of laundry. So it's not all desks and offices. So that's just going to loop behind me while we, while we uh, go this morning. Uh, all right, so there's two different kinds of relationships that Paul addresses here. He's, he's talking to parents and uh, to children, and that, addressing that relationship, and then he's addressing slaves and masters, and we're going to get to that one in a second. But the first one, parents and children, and I'm just going to trust that every laughter is having to do with something funny I said, not <laughs> back there. Um, it, it brings up two, two Old Testament connections uh, pretty quickly. The first is obviously Paul's quoting from one of the Ten Commandments, uh, to honor your father and mother. And then he points out something. He's like, hey, did you know This is the only commandment where there is a promise attached to it, that if you obey your father and mother, if you honor them, that life is going to go well for you. You're going to live long in the land. This is a, it's both a a command that God gives us, but it's also, uh, has practical benefits, practical implications. And then in his instructions to fathers, which really is instructions to all parents, uh, there's a strong connection between a Proverbs that you've probably heard. Proverbs two six: Start children off on the way that they should go, and even when they are old, they will not return from it. The, Let's see. So when we think about the way that parents and children interact, uh, I, I think of two pretty extreme examples that come to my mind quickly. One of which... Uh, I think is, is, is people motivated by this sense of, I want to bring up my children in, in the way of the Lord. And so wh- how that gets worked out is in an, an overly strict, uh, restrictive manner, right? They, they're like, we're going to set some rules and some boundaries, and we're going to make sure that our kids do not stray from the Christian faith. Uh, I think that that may have been, it's not exclusively generational, but I do think you know, several generations ago, that was probably more the norm. And, and what I've witnessed broadly speaking, uh, is a bit of a reaction against that, right? Where, where parents are much more, tend to be much more laissez-faire about everything now, right? They don't want to influence their kids too much uh, and want to let their kids kind of make their own decisions for themselves. I had a conversation with one of Alistair's classmates' fathers where I was uh, I was sharing about my excitement for Alistair getting to grow up in such a, a wonderful church, and, and it's fun to see, like, little glimmers of um, of... Him making his faith his own, and kind of just the, seeing the insight into the ways he's starting to understand his faith, um, and and this this man, he, he was like, I don't want to, I don't want to influence my son. I, I want him to make his own decisions. I want him him to come to his own conclusions. I don't want to shape him in any way that way. Uh, and I I just I was kind of struck by that because it represents this view that these, these kids kind of come into the world as these pure, unformed orbs of light that, uh, that will, if they're left alone, will just sort of will come to the right conclusions. And, and I'm like, man, you've got to read Lord of the Flies. Because that, <laughs> that does not happen. Uh, and, and here's the other reality. Uh, you are shaping your kids. Like It is an inevitability. Right, you, you you are shaping your kids and uh, to be at least intentional about it I think is helpful. Uh, Matt Kamink, who, who many of you know is around our church for a number of years we were talking about parenting and he, he said, I know, I know I'm going to screw my kids up somehow, in some way, shape or form so I might as well have my eyes open to it I might as well be intentional about it uh, about how I'm shaping them uh, how I am influencing them and if you that uh, we're, we're deep in the thick of this, and many of you are as well. Um, but it's not something that we do alone. We, when we baptize young ones into this family, right? That's the language we use here of the church, that we are the family of God. When we baptize these young ones in here, um, we all take on this vow. We all take on this responsibility that Paul here gives to fathers, but it's for all of us. Right, That we would all bring these children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The, literally, the words that we say are, with God's help, we promise to order our individual and corporate life and witness so that they may live as Christ commands. So that's the expansiveness of this command. It's not just ultimately to parents. It really is to all of us in the family of the church. Uh, and there is an entire industry devoted to that little phrase, right? Bringing them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. There's curriculum, there's books, there's conferences. Um, and, and this is good stuff. I mean, we are increasing our budget for children's ministry this next year. For those of you who are here at the, or weren't here at the congregational meeting, we're recognizing we need to put more resources behind this. And, and this stuff is really good. The curriculum, the books, the conferences, the techniques for how it is that we bring up kids in the Lord. But ultimately, Ephesians, and as I've reflected on my own life, uh, my own experience would say that the most impactful thing for children growing up in the faith are people, parents and mentors around them who have a genuine faith and who are genuinely and from a place of integrity following Christ. Summer and I were talking about uh, just our own experiences growing up in the families that we did. And I, so my dad's a Bible professor, right? Both of my parents were missionaries overseas. And so you might expect that we had these elaborate family Bible studies with outlines and notes and translation. That, I mean, my dad brings his Greek New Testament to church. Like, that's just, that's my dad. Um, but that wasn't the case. We, we, we read the Bible. Um, we prayed together. Uh, We read Narnia at the breakfast table. And I think what was most profound for me was simply knowing that my parents genuinely loved and were seeking to follow Jesus. And they were open with me about questions, about struggles. But I, I watched them be people who, whether they were being watched, whether it was in a public setting or whether it was in the privacy of their own home, they loved to pray and they valued scripture and it was genuine and it was consistent. And I think that those were the things that most profoundly formed me growing up in that household. Now, I also had other figures, right? It wasn't just my parents. I was part of a church. I had folks that hung out with the youth group, crazy people that love junior high students. Those are amazing people. And I was blessed by some fantastic ones who similarly I don't remember the specific things that we, the lessons that we went over in youth group, barring maybe just a couple, um, but I remember the character of these people who invested in me, who whose faith was genuine. So I think as we think about our responsibility for those of us who are parents, as parents, but all of us here in the church, I mean, we, any of you have been around for a while, you know we got a lot of kids. The responsibility and the joy that we Share in raising them up in the instruction of the Lord. I think the first thing is to remember what we've been saying all along in Ephesians, which is this. Remember your identity. Remember who you are in Christ, that you are a beloved child of God, that you are forgiven, that Christ has done all the work. He hasn't chosen you because you're so great. That we remember our identity, and then that is how then we live in all these areas of life, in all these vocations. Parents, children, the friendships that we have, the relationships we have, in our work, in our neighborhoods. But we don't quickly, we don't too quickly walk down this road of of, of living it out before we remember. I've got to reroute myself back in Christ. I've got to re-remember, re-remember, re-remember <laughs> who I am in Christ. That is going to be the most profound thing that we do in raising up this next generation to be people who love and serve God. Then we get to this passage about slaves and masters. And it, of course, begs the question, does the Bible promote slavery? Is Paul big on slavery? And the short answer to that is no. I'll say a little more, but I don't want that to be necessarily the focus. I want us to stumble up on this. Um, in Paul's context, uh, slavery was a given, right? This was, it was like talking about electricity. It's just a part of how our society works. Um, but Paul, in his other, pas- in a number of other passages in the New Testament, has, uh, he, he, he addresses slaves, he talks about slavery, um, but he gives us little insights into ultimately what is his hope, which is that slavery would not be the way that we interact with other people, the way that we treat other people. In 1 Corinthians 7, he uh, encourages slaves that if they have the opportunity to gain their freedom, they should do so, that that's a good thing, to gain their freedom. Um, And probably in one of the most uh, radical letters that he writes, Philemon, Paul addresses a slave owner um, about receiving a former slave. Actually, it's a current slave. It's a runaway slave who has come to Paul. They've connected. This slave came to faith. And Paul writes a letter to his slave owner. And he says, uh, Philemon, I'm going to send you Onesimus. This was the slave. But guess what? Even though it's within your legal rights to punish him for what he did, to treat him like a slave, um, I'm sending him to you as a brother. And that's going to radically transform the way that you treat him, the way that you interact. That's the, the... the language of of this family of God in the church that we are. That, that This is no longer a slave. This is a brother in Christ. And given this sense of of how we understand the household, right? That it's it's the economy, it's family, it's all of that mixed together. It is not a stretch, I think, for us to look at this passage uh, and to just trans, simply translate uh, slaves as employees and masters as employers. To talk about the the workplace dynamics that exist uh, in our culture. So that's how I, I hope we can hear it that way. So Paul ties in his instructions to the workers, to the employees, three times he talks about their service to Christ, their, uh, their primary relationship to Christ and how that gets worked out in their work that they are to be working as though they are working for the Lord. And this connects, I think, to what we we talked about with Luther, this sense that this is how God works in the world, is through the very vocations that we have, through our work. So we need a vision of how Christ, sorry, a vision of how our work serves Christ and serves the world. I know a number of you have been through through Cascade Fellows. I, I hope that in some of these interviews that we've done with DJ this morning and with others, that we can have our imaginations sparked for the ways in which our very our very ordinary jobs uh, that we do on a day-to-day basis are ways in which Christ is served and the world is served. So then similarly to, to last week where we were talking about husbands and wives, um, there is a danger In this passage, that if we focus on the the part that is not addressed to us, we can wield this passage in an abusive manner. Uh, And I I don't think it's any stretch to say that that has been the case. If if a father focuses on, well, you know what, children, your job is to obey me, to listen, and to do what I say. That's what the Bible says. If that is the emphasis of a father or mother reading this passage, then it It is possible to take this beautiful thing that is God's word and to wield it abusively. And so I think the principle that we talked about last week is applicable here. Take first and foremost the part that's written to you. That's where your emphasis and your focus should be. And then we also have to look at the high calling that Paul has given those who in his context were in positions of power, right? Fathers and masters. And If you were reading, uh, what you would probably be expecting to hear if you're reading this letter first is nothing written to them, but only things written to those who are um, underneath their authority. But instead, Paul writes to fathers and he says, you have a tremendous responsibility not to exasperate your kids and that exasperate means to kind of provoke them to anger, but rather to nurture them, to raise them up in the faith. And and masters, you have a responsibility to treat your slaves, your employees, as people who are made in the image of God. Now that would have been radical to that context, and that's still radical (laughs) to certain contexts here. That people are not just cogs in a machine, but are made in the image of God. Now, this entire household section that we've looked at, the end of five, the beginning of six, it's bookended on the front by this, pa- this encouragement to uh, submit to each other. That that's to be the predominant way that we relate to each other. That's how we show our love for each other. Or as we defined it last week, to willingly yield to another out of love. That is to be the primary way we interact with each other. And the reason, which is given at the back end of this passage, is that we serve a master in heaven who shows no favoritism. That no matter the role that you play, no matter the calling that you have, no matter the, um, the place in life that you find yourself, even though they're vastly different, even in a group this size, we have all kinds of different vocations, each one of them is valuable in God's eyes and therefore valuable in our eyes. The challenge that we have faced as we have moved in Ephesians from the first half talking about our identity to the second half talking about our mission. How do we live it out? The challenge is to not make this then a list of rules and laws that we have to abide by. And the thing that we have to keep coming back to is how do we root ourselves in Christ? How do we... How do we remind ourselves of our identity so that we continually, in whatever situation we're in, right, whether we're thinking primarily about our, um, our, our marriages or our friendships, whether we're thinking about our work or our neighbors, wherever we are, that our identity in Christ, and the good news of who we are as forgiven, beloved people, that that leaks out into our work and into our, our, our love and our relationships. So, I want to end this morning with two uh, practical things. The first is how do we then root ourselves in christ how do you, how do we do that and that one that 's a lifelong journey right That is something that you and I are going to continually have to come back to and continually learn new practices, new ways uh, of doing that but uh, the the most basic way that I have found and and I think that that the church has borne witness to over hundreds of years is simply through prayer and scripture. And I know that sounds so basic and so simple, but I, I believe with all my heart that that is going to be a lifelong journey of growth for all of us in engaging in the scriptures in a way that leads us to intimacy with Christ in engaging in a prayer that is not perfunctory or uh, simply repetitious, but in a way that leads us towards intimacy with Christ. I have a growing hunger for that in my own life. And I hope that there are there are myriad, of way, myriad ways, even, even within those two disciplines of engaging the scriptures and in prayer, myriad ways to, to do those, to go about reading, to go about praying. And, and I think that All of them can be worth trying out and experimenting and seeing which one connects with you, which one engages your heart and your mind in a way that reminds you of your belovedness in Christ. So that's the first practical thing. Read your Bible and pray. The second is this, and this has to do with the card that I gave you. Maybe as, as we've been going through these different vocations, these different callings that God has given us, parent, husband, wife, child, worker, employee, employer. Maybe there's others that we haven't even mentioned, friend, neighbor, uh, volunteer, whatever it is. Maybe you've been thinking specifically about your particular calling and what this looks like for you, what a, a new life in Christ looks like lived out there. And so just in a couple of minutes here, I'd love for you to take that card and to, to write Paul's instruction, which really we're, we're trusting that Christ is speaking here through Paul, but what would, what would the instruction be to your specific calling? And I want you to be specific. So instead of just saying um, parent or, or, or mother or father, I want you to say father to George and Genevieve. So as father to George and Genevieve, this is what that new life in Christ looks like or might look like. Don't just say as a a worker, right, or as an employee, but say, you know, as a professor at Seattle Pacific University or as a teacher at Franklin High School. What does this new life in Christ look like lived out there? What might it be? Remembering that all of this is couched in mutual submission to each other. All of this is couched in this view that God has no favorites. All of this couched that we are new creations in Christ filled with the power of the Spirit. So take a minute. Jot down the specific vocation that you're thinking through. And then ask, Lord, what... What's your vision for me in this role that I play? You can keep writing it. But take this and, and put it somewhere where you're gonna you're gonna bump into it this week. In your car or your bathroom mirror or somewhere. And use it as a, a chance to to pray about. Whatever vocation it is that you've written down, whatever role you've written down, um, to pray that God's Spirit would continue to give you a vision for what that looks like, but also that He would empower you to live that way. That the life of Christ would begin to, to leak out in powerful ways in your work, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your friendships. the reality is is that uh, we will all fail and fall short of these high callings that God has given to us. And so part of re-rooting ourselves in Christ is an acknowledgement and a confession of our failure and an acceptance of his grace. And that's what we come to every week where we come to this table. To remember who we are both as sinful fallen creatures, but even more than that, as those who are beloved, who have been raised up with Christ and who have been created to do good work, right? This is, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 2. That we are God's handiwork created in Christ for good work. It was on the night that our Lord was betrayed when he took bread he gave thanks and he broke it he said this is my body it's broken for you do this in remembrance of me and then in the same way after supper he took the cup and he said this cup represents the new covenant a new heart a new way of relating where your sins are forgiven As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again.